Hi, this is George Dano. And this is Dustin Weber. Welcome to the 5x2 podcast, where each week we discuss Christian discipleship. We hope that you'll find this podcast interesting and informative, but also challenging as you strive to grow in your discipleship to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. For this episode, we welcome Jill Carter as we discuss the topic of hospitality. So to get us started, uh, Jill, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share and get us started with, and then George will be sure to ask you some follow-up questions, I'm sure. Yes, I am Jill Carter, and many of you heard me referred to as wifey from my fun-loving husband, Tim. We have been married since July 25th, 1992. Above being called wifey, the other title that I carry that I love the most is Child of God. It is my favorite title. I was brought up in a Catholic home, born in San Antonio, Texas. I'm a middle child with a brother on either side. My parents said they had any, many, and many and didn't want no more. As far as faith in my home, we went to church every week, every holy day of obligation, and periodically otherwise. We prayed before meals, before going to bed, and in the morning when we woke up. So the discipline and the practice was instilled to me quite young. However, the personal relationship didn't come until later in life. Two days after high school, I graduated. My daddy drove me to Huntsville, Texas, where I started my college career as a dance major, and then went to Sam Houston State University and got involved with the Catholic Student Center as well as the Catholic Church there in that small town. Near the end of my college career is when I met Tim and when we were both involved in the youth ministry at that church. Our personal relationship didn't start till later on when we were praying through some tough situations that we were each going through separately in our family lives, and that blossomed into a more personal relationship. We had no clue then that a few years later we would be walking down the aisle together, making that covenant commitment between God and each other. During that time, we were involved with the Amway business, and through that, we learned personalities, love languages, tithing, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and so much more. As that season was coming to a close, I started volunteering at our church home, which by then was in Tomball, Texas. That volunteer position led to a part-time position, and that led to a full-time position, which then led to beyond full-time ministry, serving on staff there for the last 25 years. About 13 years ago or so, that also led to Tim going to the seminary, and he has been ordained now for 10 years. And so I transitioned from being a pastor's assistant to also becoming a pastor's wife. You know, as I'm listening to Jill, you got this very well organized, and that's one thing I've noticed a lot about you. I'm going to go back. We're going to force you to deal into a little bit more detail. If you would, you mentioned the wifey thing. Mm-hmm. Now, different generations have a different perspective on that. Do you mind sharing a little bit about how that started? Do you call him hubby? No, I call him Bando. Bando comes from husband O. And then it became Bando. We've looked back on our cards. I've kept all of our Christmas cards over the years. And so one of the traditions we have is to reread those cards. And so we see the different pet names that have been throughout the years. And it seems like Wifey and Bando has been in place for about 15 years now. All right. So it has never been challenged until about a month ago. About a month ago, somebody of a different generation brought it to our attention that was very disrespectful and derogatory. You know, I've heard that a couple times, but I always say Jill and Tim have that relationship with each other. It's not meant to be diminutive. Right. You know, and everyone's got those little pet names for their spouse. 
just generations kind of think that it's... Right. And some people firmly believe, and, and I have a tendency to believe too, that some of those pet names probably need to stay within the pet house. Right. As opposed to on the pulpit. Yeah. It's not nearly as diminutive like, you know, the old ball and chain or, you know, the old lady or the little woman. You know, there's something about wifey and hubby that if it's done in the right way, but again, it's a generational thing. I usually call Rachel my bride and, you know, that sounds a little bit more special. But mm-hmm. even there, somebody might, you know, she has a name. It's a tough thing, right, it when is. you're in the public eye. Right. You know, how much do you share and how much do you not? As a pastor's wife, you've had to deal with some situations where you hold some stuff back. You know, you don't tell your friends everything. Exactly. So anyhow, so as you went through, I heard you say that you and Tim were involved in youth ministry, not as youth. Were you leaders? or We were, were you? leaders, okay. yes. Uh-huh. So Tim was the hired youth director for that season of that church, and I just wanted to get involved somewhere. And so they said, well, this Mr. Carter guy could probably use some help in youth. And so Mr. Carter allowed me to be over the junior high ministry. And those of you that know Mr. Carter, he is very hands-off. He very much will cheer you on, love you on, pray you through, but he will not micromanage how you're going to do something. So his concept was to walk into my classroom maybe twice a year and say, Miss Lidner, how are things going? And that was it. So... And were you happy with that, or did you want more hands-on? No, I was fine. All right. Because some people want to be more handheld than others. Right, right. So there is a little bit of an age difference in our life, and then there was a very little age difference because I was just a second year in college. So if I had been in the high school area, that would have been a little bit more different. But because I was in the junior high, though they were all taller than I am, they were very much still able to be very manageable. We had a, a delightful couple of years there. Okay. So that was when in the Catholic Church? Yes. And I know you said your faith grew and changed over the years. When was it that you and Tim kind of floated to the Lutheran Church? We floated to the Lutheran Church whenever it came time that we wanted to have a marriage that had a wedding that started it in a church. Okay. And he was married in a Catholic church before that, which then would call for some things that we did not agree with. Okay. All right. And so then from there on, you discovered the Lutheran theology and you agreed to that. And that's Tim then went through and went to seminary. Much later. Yes. Much later. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So at your job, now tell me about when you worked for the church, what were some of your responsibilities there? My responsibility was to help our pastors shine, do behind the scenes whatever I could do to free them up to do only what they could do. As George, you very well know when you're working for the church, it's a lot of things, right? Like there's, yes, your main things, but then there's so much more beyond Mm -hmm. that where you just chip in wherever help is needed for sure. And George knows that more than anybody, I think. Well, and Dustin and I kind of do the same thing. We make sure that the pastors have the things they need, and we're working behind the scenes. And I think a lot of people don't realize how many people are behind the scenes. You know, they come to church, and they see the pastor, and they see the organist or the the worship leader, and how many people behind the scenes make that Sunday morning service, let alone all the other things at church happen. Yeah, contrary to popular belief, many people work more than just Sunday mornings. Yeah, yeah. pastors are yeah, much more than Sunday morning. You know, mm-hmm. people don't realize how many times they get called out in the middle of the night or, you know, phone calls or text. Uh, But let's focus back on you. So, Jill, this is your second Christmas. And by the time this episode drops, it'll be the day after Christmas. But your second Christmas in Columbus, right? Or third? Second. Second. So it's a little different in uh, getting ready for Christmas in the cold weather than it was in Texas, right? 
It is different. So how do you and Tim get ready for Christmas? Did you decorate the house? Did you? We do decorate the house. We've decorated the house a lot less the last couple of years just because we had designed our previous house. And so we also designed the decorations for that. And moving into a new place um, just was a little bit different. And so decorations are much more slimlined. We still have our nativities up each year. Our main gift we give each other is a nativity. And so we have our 33 nativities that we have given each other each year, one a year. So we have those and we have a tree and um, we have our nativity outside. And and so it's been very simple, kidding us back to just that Jesus is the real reason. And that's enough. Yeah, that's awesome. So do you have a favorite Christmas memory you could share with us? Probably my favorite is, or one of my favorites, there's 33 cousins within my mom's family. She's one of 13. And so one of my aunts and I had a tradition of exchanging a mouse. The rest of the group did not exchange gifts. My grandma would buy for each one of us, and we would buy for her, but we didn't exchange among the masses, you know, of the other 50 people in the house, except for my aunt and I. And so that became a big tradition for our family to be able to see what mouse did Aunt Mildred give Jill and Jill give Aunt Mildred every year. And so we do have that um, whenever she downsized, she boxed up all of her mice that I had given her. And so we have both sets now. They were out last year, but they didn't make it out this year. So just the joy of seeing anticipation of that was exciting. And how'd you pick a mouse? That's really not a Christmas animal, right? I know. So I was brought up in San Antonio, Texas, where there's very few field mice. And she lived in Placido or DaCosta, Texas, where there are tons of field mice on her farm. And I was out there one time and she said, there's a mouse in the house and I'm going to get it. To which I exclaimed, of course you're not. Well, the next morning at my breakfast table, was the dead mouse. Because she got it. Because she got it. And I just went crazy. I was just in tears and crying. And how could you kill that mouse? And then look how gross it is. And on and on and on and on. So to compensate for that gross, disgusting moment, we share good, fun, happy mice. Happy mice. Yes. Not the kind that are eating your breakfast cereal. So like this year in the past probably 10 years of Christmases, we have not exchanged mice, but in the Christmas card, there has to be a mouse present. Sometimes it's just Tim and his artistry that draws it into there, but she still gets a card with a mouse. All right. Well, that is an interesting story. Told you you probably didn't want to know that story. Well, no, no, that's a great story. Those are the kind of stories that people like to hear, you know, a little twist on the details. So, mm-hmm. you know what the problem now is that you're going to get a lot of mouses. From well, I, mouses? Mouses. <laughs> you, got, you were able to catch it before I did. <laughs> <laughs> we did get a new mouse from a very sweet girl that came to the house last year and saw the collection of them. And so this year when she came, we hosted some of the ministry teams at our home. And so whenever it came time for this year, the Christmas gift that she brought was a mouse. And so, no, I it don't. It was a cute mouse. It, it wasn't was, like a dead no, mouse. No, <laughs> it was a very cute. In fact, it's the only mouse on the tree this year because like I said we didn't put the other ones out but no I don't have a collection of mice so to speak but when you don't know the story behind it and you walk into the house you believe that it is so I sent to her so you're saying don't bring the Carter's mice Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but it's okay. I enjoy having this one. Right. All right. No, no. It's a, it's, 
it's it's that balance, right? You it know, is, there's one of those things. I found that you know I like dragons, and so the, every time somebody just finds one, I, they end up coming to my office, and and it's great. You appreciate the gifts, but eventually you run out of space. Exactly. Yeah, I, I used know. to do giraffes. Yeah. I loved giraffes. I thought they were so graceful and so tall, but it just got to where people knew I like giraffes. So what was the gift of choice? A new giraffe of choice. And so now my few giraffes are in my closet that only Tim and I get to go into. Yeah, my dad collected eagles for a while. And Mm -hmm. when they downsized, he had all these Mm -hmm. eagle paraphernalia trying to get rid. And like none of us wanted it. And you feel really bad. It's like because it was special to him. But like it's not special to us. And Mm -hmm. yeah, collections can be great and they can just absorb you. So, you know, you mentioned something, Jill, that I want to bridge into the next question. You have supported Tim's ministry here by hosting mm-hmm. a lot of things. So your organization's there that you help organize dinners, and but there's an element of hospitality. So I'm sure in your spiritual gift assessment, hospitality has got to be right up there at the top. Yeah, I say it's my one gift. It's your one gift. Yes. You, but there's also some administration in there. I mean, because you're there very, very well organized. There is. I have other gifts, but it's my one gift. Okay. And God has blessed me with it from early on. My family was big into opening the home. And I think it just it's not about what you do. It's how you make people feel. And I think that's important. And so I think that when you think of the word hospitality, some people think they can't do it because they don't have organizational skills. They can't cook. They can't go to the store and buy a cup of water. I mean, there's just things that people think they can't do. And it's really, I think, a spirit more than a thing. And then from that spirit, it gets honed. For me, like I said, it started with with my family. And then we had a really cool family up the hill that had when we were living where we lived, I was this is before I was 10. So in my youngest days, they had 12 kids under the age of 13. And so she was very organized, but she also was very welcoming. So whenever we would go up to her home, it seemed like she was always cooking. Well, hindsight says she probably was always cooking when you have that large of a family. And then she would sing and she would pray while she was cooking. And what I realized now is that 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 was how you kept order with 12 kiddos. If you're all singing the same song, then you can't very much get into arguments and it's you're just a little bit more on track. And I didn't understand that it was more of a, a coping mechanism than, you know, what it is. And so anyway, I had picked up that habit, not the singing part. I do not have the gift of singing, but I love to pray. And so as I'm preparing, it is a continuous conversation with God of just, okay, Lord, you're bringing these people in, and we're going to go do this for this person, so tell me what to do, as opposed to it's just about me. It's about him. Well, I don't want to embarrass you. I can tell a story, though. You don't have to go over the top to show hospitality. I came out to help set up a TV at your house, and you had lunch, and it was just an average spread. I'm sure you put a lot of time in putting it out and arrange it, but it wasn't like you cooked a fancy meal, and yet everything was there that we needed. It was all delicious, but it was just the fact that you had something mm-hmm. that was the hospitality to me. There was lunch meat, and there was chicken salad. I mean, there was a couple options, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like you went to the store and you bought 10,000 things. And, right. yeah, and, and so I, I think that's the hospitality. It was, like you said, the spirit mm-hmm. more than the specifics. Yeah. So in this season, we have a lot of deliveries coming. That's been a big difference for our Christmas. We're used to having these, you know, little, for years we did bundles of three under the tree for just about 
everybody. And so that hasn't happened this year for the first year. And so, but we have a lot of deliveries that have come because just is that time of year. And so the delivery people crack up because outside there's a little basket with their little cookies that say, so glad you came. You know, we're thankful for your delivery. Please enjoy. And there's a Keurig there for them to make their coffee on their go. And they just, the first few were just like, um, can we stop every day? I said, of course you can stop every day. They said, this isn't normal. I was like, how is it not normal? But in the cold days, they appreciate that. And it doesn't take much. I mean, I just moved the Keurig from the kitchen to the outside and plug it in and there they have it. And it's just a touch. So. Those are the simple things. That's a great mm-hmm. idea, just the simple things. It's amazing how just offering a bottle of water or something like that to a busy worker can yeah. just make, it just shows that you are you see them as a person, not right. just as a tool for you. Exactly. I think you asked me about the story behind the hospitality, and I told you the young one. Well, then as I matured, again, mom and dad continued to instill it. And one of the things they did also was cookies. Mom baked millions of cookies. I bake thousands she baked millions and we would sort them out and put them into little trays for everybody and that was always the Christmas gift so it put together my love of acts of service and gifts along with hospitality it becomes the the natural for me and then as we grew older we were part of the Amway business and we were able to host people in that fashion and then at my previous church it was important that we served people and how we did that included what you just mentioned. When somebody came in the office, it was, would you like water, Coke, Diet Coke, or Sprite? And it was just a natural question. And it breaks the ice whenever you break bread or even open a thing of water. Just something comes down in people and life happens on a more beautiful side. We found that in a couple of places. You know, one of the things when we're talking about their connect groups, just starting with food, just kind of breaks that ice. Mm -hmm. I know that when we meet with our connect group leaders, it's about, you know, can I get you a cup of coffee? There's something about having a cup of coffee as Mm -hmm. you're sitting there just kind of breaks the ice and, you know, you're sharing something in common. Yeah, when we came to the connect group leader training and had Adam outside with the cookie saying, would you like a cookie coming in? I was like, okay, this is good. You know, it's just, it didn't take much. I mean, but it's an extra step. I have a few young men that said when they first started ushering, there was one usher that was on their team, an older guy, and they would get there and he'd always hand them just a mint. And it was like, I'm sure that he was saying, well, you got bad breath. No, but for them, it was like that he recognized them as part of the team. He was giving them something. It was a simple little gift every time. And so that still stuck in their head Mm -hmm. that this older man cared enough about them to offer them something. Right, right. And oftentimes people think about hospitality with food, and it's it's not always food. You know, sometimes it, it is just the simple thing of opening a door and holding a door for somebody. You know, picking up things around that would help them feel like it's a tidy, welcoming spot. There's just so much behind that that is, again, to the spirit of it and not necessarily the well, food and, of it. Well, and Dustin, I can probably do something that you can. I'm reminded of this. Yesterday I was in the store and somebody said, can you reach that for me? Mm-hmm. You know, just offering, you see somebody struggling, say, hey, can I help you? I'm, right. I'm, I've got a few more inches than you. Can I reach that mm-hmm. down for you? It's just being aware of your surroundings and just taking that little extra step. It took me no extra time to reach down a can from the top shelf than walking down the aisle. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you think through it, 
our five by two includes blessing others and your hospitality has definitely blessed others, but it's also opened up that opportunity several times probably for meaningful conversations, right? As you've, exactly. as you've shared something, somebody said, oh, well, that's great. So can you think of a specific time when like you had a great opportunity to actually share your faith because of your hospitality? I know it kind of shines out in general, but did you have a specific event maybe that, hey, I was just being hospitable and I actually had a chance to actually share Jesus? Yeah, well, I think that when we talk about sharing Jesus and sharing the gospel, we use a line often that says, you want to share the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And I think that those actions are the things that people will see. So sometimes, anytime, whenever you are bringing the gospel or sharing the gospel or just even imparting a deeper relationship with people who already know the gospel, it is more about those actions that God can take. And But yet it does open words. I think the most profound time probably was I used to be involved with the dance ministry. Um, and in that role, I would get to go and shop and make the costumes and things like that. And so I became good friends with our Hobby Lobby person. And so as we would talk about it, I was able to bring in you know, pictures of what her fabrics did and you know, be able to talk in that, that direction and send out invitations. Well, when she showed up at the Christmas service one year, it was like, oh, and she said, it's just because you were so joyful when you would come. And so I think, again, because hospitality is a spirit and not a thing, you take that with you wherever you go. Excellent. Thank you. Dustin, any comments to throw in here? I've been talking a lot. No, I think that was great. You know, you started talking about sharing the gospel. In our next episode, we'll kind of introduce a short series. We're going to be talking about reaching the one and talking about sharing the gospel. I like how you said Sometimes I think we think, oh, we have to know exactly what to say. We have to say, like, do it in this exact order and everything. But like you said, a lot of it just comes down to hospitality of being kind and building a relationship, building trust with somebody, and then just having those conversations where then you can share about how Jesus impacted your life or like you said, just being joyful and people will notice that and then be like, oh, there's something. And as you get to learn them, they're going to want to learn about you. And then that's that opens that opportunity. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I have to share this exact thing the exact right way. It's like you said, because the Holy Spirit's going to work through that. We don't know exactly how the Spirit may work through that. So sometimes it may be the things we're like, oh, I didn't say that the right way. And the Spirit works in miraculous ways through that. Right. And so I think that's so cool. And like George said, you know, the idea of blessing others of hospitality. I love what you said earlier, and I, th- I think I wrote it down the right way, but you said it's not what you do, but how you make people feel. I just think that was very profound. I, just, I really like that about hospitality. It's about making people feel welcome, like they belong. And then to George's point about the meaningful conversations, then once you make people feel welcome that they belong, whether it's through acts of service or whatever it may be, that then that can open the door for those meaningful conversations to grow the relationship. So yeah, just some great stuff. Jill, you want to add anything else for our listeners to hear? The last comment, parting shot. Well, if you're going to keep it on hospitality, just be willing to open your heart and show the joy and make people feel welcome. Absolutely. Well, Jill, thank you so much for taking the time to join us for this episode. And hopefully we'll have you back at some point. But thank you. And again, when this episode drops, it will be after Christmas. But to Jill, Merry Christmas. And to all of our listeners, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Now, there are 12 days of Christmas, so people can still show hospitality for the other 11 11 days. days. (laughs) 11 days. Well, as we wrap up, again, Merry Christmas to all. Blessed New Year. Uh, We hope to see you actively participating in the growth of your faith through the discipleship things. Now, go out and serve God and others.